Okay, now I know it's been a few years since we've done one of these, but we're pros. We got this. We got one month, only one, to pull this off. So here's the plan. Each week we got a heist-themed movie to watch. Then the hosts are going to jot down all their notes, take care and pay attention to everything that happens, and then once we hit the record button, we're going to give you a decent review. So that makes four heist movie reviews for our little podcast here. Don't worry about the fuzz, we got them covered. So sit back, relax, as we start Sparkin's theme month of heist, hijacking, and high-octane car crashes. This episode contains adult language, mature situations, southy accents, wicked cool heist scenes, loose cannons with unique nicknames, traumatized bank managers, weird costumes, and the green monster. Listener discretion is advised. Spark in Motion Picture Review, Episode 003. The Lindas want you to open the door. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spark in Motion Picture Review, www.sparkin.com's podcast where we talk about unique and different movies all the time. I'm your host, Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, what's up? Hey, I'm Greta. Yes, we are back for another fun-filled episode of the awesomeness that is the Spark in Motion Picture Review, and more importantly, dun, this, dun, is, dun. this is a fun one because this is going to be... A the first in a new theme month. It has been quite several years since we've done a theme month. But first, let's get the basics out of the way. What is Sparkin? Sparkin is some podcast and reviews about connecting enhanced narratives. Pretty much what that means is every episode we talk about one to two titles. Since this is the motion picture review, obviously, what do we talk about? Motion pictures. Or movies. movies. Yes. New movies, old movies, different movies, they're all chosen by fate, or specifically that one, that only, the dodecahedron of movies, which seems to have disappeared in crap, crap, crappity, no, it's right here. <laughs> I'll edit that out, but, it, so, the films are decided, the movies are decided by the dodecahedron movie, and we talk about them, tell you the pros and cons about it, how the actors are, the direction, the scenes, and if it's worth investing your time or not, or if you should just ignore it completely. You have to agree with anything we say, but we try to be educational, enlightening, exciting, and most importantly... Entertaining! Hooray! And you can check out any of our earlier episodes at www.spireken.com. That's S-P-I-R-A-K-E-N. Where else can they find us at? Oh, you know... Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, any other social medias. If you can't find us... User error. Just type in Spark and you'll find us. We're also on Facebook. Don't forget Facebook. Uh, and uh, yeah, and if you have any questions or comments or concerns, you can email us at sparkin at gmail.com or me personally at zan, that's X-A-N, at sparkin.com. We're still working on Greta's email. We're getting there. Dun, dun, dun. Just a little pricey. They've upped the price for emails from one ninety nine to twenty four ninety nine for two extra emails. Email Zan. That's kind of rough. Also, we're at sparkinjubi.com. Now, before I forget, one of the big things, because this is the month of August, and one thing we're definitely going to be pushing for the next month, and it's kind of important, is go buy the Blu-ray and DVD for Alita Battle Angel. Buy it. Love it. Buy it for friends. 
we want to support this movie so it does get a sequel because it deserves a sequel. It's a really good movie. And also, as a manga fan for a manga review, I love the manga and I would love to see it actually get further, right? Yes. So buy it, love it, enjoy it, download it, rent it on uh, your local Vidmo or Vimo or Voodoo or uh, Comcast, whatever. Anyway. D, all of the above. Yes. So with that in mind, let's actually get to it, shall we? Because this is a very special theme month. This is the theme month of... Heists, hijacks, and high-octane car crashes. Yes. The, our, our theme month, which is focusing on the awesomeness that is the heist movie. Or more importantly, it's originally known as the caper story. Now this is a subgenre of crime fiction. And pretty much each of these films are going to involve one or more crimes. You know, thefts, swindles, kidnapping. It could even involve some notorious schemes. It could involve some revenge. And generally, we're focusing not on the police, but rather we're focusing on the individuals who cause the crimes. The criminals. And generally... Because that's usually who the movie's about. Yes. And generally, the police or detectives who are attempting to stop or solve the crimes are always the antagonists, or they're not the main focus. Uh, a good example is one movie where it's uh, it's one we may review, The Usual Suspects, where the whole movie is, from the point of view of the cop interviewing the different criminals, and he has he's talking to a certain criminal, and things happen. And it's the story of what happened during the crime, why it went wrong, and then where it goes, even though we discover that the person talking is an unreliable narrator, but that's not here. Now, the other reason why... Caper stories are always fun, is they're not straight crime stories. They have little bits of humor, adventure, or, you know, there's something really clever about it. You know, you have the weird gags, you have the unusually complicated heist plans, you always have just something weird happening in there in one way or the other. Always are that case. And there's eight things that make a good heist movie. Eight specific things. Now, the first thing is that it's the the bare basics, you know. What do you have in a basic, in a heist movie? You have planning. Mm-hmm. And then you have the execution, then the escape. And sometimes it's different. And all these films have that. They have the planning phase, execution phase, and the escape phase. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it, it it's an out of order. A lot of films have one where it's at the, it starts with the escape, then it goes into the execution, then it goes into the planning. Other ones, the planning just is kind of mentioned for a minute. And it just... Or some of them, the planning unravels as the movie goes along, and you realize they were planning this entire time. Yeah, or it just becomes a lot of little picks. The second one is the opposite of planning and execution. That is your complications. Now, what would be a good example of a complication? <laughs> Like, you know, it's it's the the hitch. So, um, it's the police in the wrong place at the right time. When they Yes. Looking at the bank robber in the eye. It's the kid that accidentally trips somebody. Or it's you, the person who breaks the, the grease man's hand right before the event because he's an idiot. Exactly. This, it's the hitch. It's the hiccup. It's the... What goes wrong? And it makes it come alive, and it's not just a completely, the clan's going to be flawless. Because when the clan gets flawless, that's when it's boring. You want to have a little bit of dramatic tension. Um, the third part of any good heist movie is you get the scene of putting the plans together. 
and putting the team together. You know, you got that scene of where you're hiring the the different members. You got the grease man. You have the 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 fast talker. You have the guy who knows everybody. You have the guy who's the the mark who you, no one ever could tell it's him. Uh, a lot of films have this. Not all of them do, and this is one of the things which drives me nuts, especially when they start after they're an established team. It's kind of not as enthralling as when they set up the group, but there is always a team where you see the characters together, and also putting the team together gives you how they relate to each other. Even if it's not the entire team, when you see the interaction between them, it kind of makes a, um, it makes it more cohesive. Yeah, like going to one of the ones who may be reviewing Ocean's Eleven. The friendship between Rusty and Danny, Danny it it builds over time. It's they've been friends. We don't need the introduction that they're friends. You just realize it later on how deep it goes, and it just continues. It's just... Yes. Uh, the next part, part four, the fourth most important thing for making a heist film, is the reason beyond the money. Most time it's the money, but there's other reasons as well. Um, Revenge. Revenge is one. Tell me that it's not about the guy who got who's with your girl. That's one. Or it's uh, uh, you're doing this because you're trying to get out of the neighborhood you're in. This is the last job. This is the last one. Then you're going to get out. Right. Or it's the um, like some of them are. Oh, it's because I'm trying to save my kid, and that's a little passe, but it is one of the things. It's always that moment. Uh, a good example of a not heist film, but a revenge film where the reason beyond cash is. It's Payback with Mel Gibson, or originally known as The Hunter. It's about a guy who there's a heist, he gets betrayed by his um, his partner, and the whole movie is him just trying to kill his, get his, kill his partner and get his money back. And it's not even a large amount of money. It's like, they think he's insane. It's like, really? You want, you're doing this for this reason? It's like, $30,000? This is why you're, you're going to all this length? He's like, it's not about the money, it's the principle and that's saying which is like it's, it's beyond the money and yes it could be purely for cash but there's always a reason for it another good example is walter white in breaking bad because the move the whole reason he originally starts making meth is because he's doing it for his family but then he goes crazy hmm. anyway so so there's a little recap for you on heist films uh, we still got three more, don't worry. The next one, the last three. First off, we have something to root for. You have the Robin Hood situation. They're always kind of... Um, the heart of gold criminal. I mean, even the ones where they're not great criminals, they're like complete douches, you have reason to like them. They have their own likability. Even the old films where they wouldn't win, they're still charismatic. Uh, the movie we talked about last motion picture review is a perfect example of that charismatic criminal because they were um steve martin and Matt christopher uh no michael kane <laughs> and michael kane both charismatic criminals you kind of sympathize with them for their reasons even though they're truly atrocious um and another reason why is it, it, it makes the tension bigger because they're kind of they seem like decent people you know you understand why they're doing the things now, six, number six. This is one which makes a heist different from a straight-up uh, robbery film. You know what that is? It's that element of ridiculousness. It's, Inconceivable. It's Nicolas Cage in Gone in 60 Seconds having to listen to music before he goes to do the robbery. It's, um... The absurd. 
what's another example? Uh, Ocean's 13, where you have them watching Oprah. Why? Because... It's touching. It's touching. You want to see these hardened criminals <laughs> crying. And just like, or the really absurd things, you go to the Bond villain, where it's just a, such a complicated thing of, why don't you just shoot him in the head? No, that's too easy. We have to dangle him up over this huge, insane, cockamamie, ridiculous thing. Another one is... Cockamamie. Mission Impossible 1. The whole thing of... Or Mission Impossible 2. No. Or but, 3. Or 57. No, the first Mission Impossible is a perfect example of it. It's, he has to be suspended above a floor I can't touch. If he drops the sweat on the floor, the alarm's going to go off. If he makes a sound, <laughs> it's like, it's ridiculous and insane. It's just... Ah. Also, we can't forget the nose. The nose is ridiculous. Yes. The nose. Uh, next one is the heist film. The one thing that heist films share with sci-fi films, they have to be kind of plausible. Now, there's a difference between believability and plausibility. Believability is, I believe it could happen. Right. It's not enough, but it is. Plausibility is kind of like... That could actually happen. It's likely. It's, it's, there's a good chance. There's not a complete chance, but there's a chance that with the right people, the right skills, it's possible to happen. And the Not anymore since they made a movie about it, but in general. Exactly. And the last one is the willingness to break the rules. You know, you need all these stuff to make the heist film. But if you break the rules for these, you can make them unique and interesting. And that's what makes heist films that stand the test of time. And hopefully some of the ones we talk about this month are going to be heist films that stand the test of time and aren't terrible. Right? Yes. I mean, I'm hoping we'd get some good ones. We got some decent ones from the wheel, but we'll see. So, let's get to it, shall we? So... The movie, if you remember from the last episode, we rolled that one, that only... The Dodecahedron of Movies. And it dictated unto us to be reviewing a movie that was directed by Ben Affleck. It's actually his third film he directed. Uh, It's also produced by Graham King and Basil Iwanyuk. And it was uh, originally a screenplay by Peter Craig and Ben Affleck based on a book by Chuck Hogan called Prince of Thieves. And what's the name of this film? The Town. Yes. This is a intriguing story that changed because of one simple reason. Because for those of you who've been listening to the podcast a long time, you knew I was I used to live in New York and now where do we live? Boston. Yes. So all the places in this movie we've actually seen and been to. In Boston. But not in a criminal No, we we have not cased any of these joints. Also we have not gone to Charlestown, even though this movie makes me not want to go to Charlestown. Oh, I, I completely want to go to the flower shop. I don't want to go to where there's a potential, a potential mobster. I want to see a big old mobster guy, and I want to him, I want him to sell me a flower. Okay. Yeah. They'll be. They'll say you're toony though. That's totally fine. I want a mobster in Charlestown to sell me a flower. Wow. But <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, so this is a movie that's also it's starring Ben Affleck because he he didn't distract these stars in it. It's got Rebecca Hall, John Hamm, Jeremy Renner, Slane, Blake Lively. Where she was unrecognizable in this movie. Oh, she's totally recognizable. She's totally. If you've ever watched Gossip Girl and you've seen those flashback moments of when she was like super drunk and you know in that little phase, this is her grown up drunk 
I, I've seen her afterwards, like her in things like uh, Green Lantern, where she's cleaned up and professional. Not this meth addict style. But... This is a alcoholic, single mom, yeah. townie. And the two I was surprised they got were Pete Pothel's weight, who that, he is an old school actor that is just, generally he's a kind of a, you, you recognize him when you see him, and he got a good job playing the main mob boss in this. And he's, like, I was surprised they got him. And then Chris Cooper. Yeah, he had a, he pulled off a good Irish accent. That's actually his natural accent, I think. No. No, he's from Ireland. Well, then maybe. Think about his last name. Postlewaith. Yeah. But yeah, so it's a great cast, and all of them work together. And one of the crazy parts about this is that one of them, Jeremy Renner, didn't want to do this film. He didn't want to play another criminal, but he got um, convinced to do it because Ben Affleck kind of begged and pleaded with him, and he turned out an amazing performance. And so, if you've never seen this movie before, here's the basic premise. Uh, It actually opens up with a really cool uh, quote, which is actually proven to be true. And what is the quote? There are over 300 bank robberies in Boston every year. Most of those professionals live in a one-square-mile neighborhood called Charlestown. In fact, there were 23 reported bank robberies in the entire state of Massachusetts in the first quarter of 2010, compared with 49 in Illinois and 136 in California, according to the FBI. That's kind of, well... Significant. Well, compared to Illinois and California, it's not... (laughs) No, compared to... 300 every year in Boston. Mm, that's true. Compared to 49 in Illinois. But that's f- but that's for the first quarter. Oh, oh, that's the okay, that's not the first quarter. That was okay, I get it. Yeah. That is that is a bit crazy. That's a bit crazy and it's it's kind of it makes me a bit nervous, but That's why we bank online. Exactly. That's why we bank online. We don't carry cash. But, uh, so this is about a a group of guys in Charlestown who are bank robbers. Um, And they're good at it. They're very good at it. You have the different members. You have uh, Glosny, who is the, or Albert Glosny McLone. He is the tech guy. You've got, um, oh, I forgot the other one's name. Hold on. I did not write it down. Uh, Hold on. I'll edit this out. It's okay. I just gotta remember his name. I forgot. I, it happens. Pause it. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'll edit it out. Uh, Desk. That's right. Yeah, and uh, you have Desmond Des Eldon, who is their uh, he's their tech guy. Mm-hmm. I think actually, I think I flipped those two. Did I? Do? Oh, it was Des. No, where's the other guy? Glosny. No, I, I did flip him. Yeah, because Slane is the driver. Okay, so flip it. All right, Dan. So it's about four friends who live in Charlestown. You have um, Des, who or Desmond Eldon, who is their tech guy. He's the guy that actually has a legitimate job, and what he does is he actually works with the... He turns out the security systems, all that, and he's not really seen because he's generally the person that's not on site. He like messes with the box to like not take video and does stuff like that. You have uh, 
Glonzi or Albert McGloin, who or Glon, he is their driver. He can boost any car possible. You have a Jem or James Coglin, who is the typical. Uh, would you say he's the hothead? Totally. But he's also the what? What is his Hawkeye? <laughs> it's it's Jeremy Renner. But what is his his role in the in the group? He's muscle. He's just the muscle? I mean, he's the co-pilot to the planner. Yeah, the architect who is, is Doug or Douglas He makes McRae. it happen. He does the dirty work. He's the one that Isn't supposed waves to... around the gun. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Jem uh, is the, the muscle. And then you have Doug, uh, Douglas McRae, who is the architect. He's the one that... He's the smart one. He's the one that figures it all out. He plans it. He knows that the two guys behind the door... Both have wives named Linda. You know, like, he, he, like... He researches and makes sure everything can go according to plan. He's the smart one. And it turns out that all these guys, they're not first-generation robbers. They've got robbery in their blood. Their parents did it. Their grandparents did it. Our main character, Doug, his dad is currently doing a five-life sentence, uh, a five-consecutive-life sentence, uh, sentence. In prison because he robbed a bread truck and then he ended up killing the the two guys. It became a whole. But by bread truck they mean like the money trucks. Yes. They mean bread like dough like. Yeah. Cash. Yes. So it was a whole precedent was made because of his father. So he's the son of an infamous criminal, and their whole thing is that they're actually good at it. And then we opens up with they're robbing a bank, and. They end up, uh, it goes successfully, but they end up taking the bank manager as a hostage. And they decide to, well, uh, Jem decides to take her license and he's going to take her, take care of her if she says anything to the feds. But Doug, as a more... He's the planner, he's the cool... Civilized guy, decides, I'll take care of her because you're going to do something stupid, I'll just follow her. And Doug, at this point in his life, is having a bit of a, not a crisis of faith, but he's having a bit of a... He's ready for a change. Yeah. Things are going different. He stopped drinking, stopped taking drugs. He's trying to better himself, even though he's stuck in this weird hole. He has a lot of issues from his past, and he wants to just resolve it and live a good life. And he ends up inadvertently talking to Claire, and... They end up starting a relationship. Even though he can't tell her that he's the guy that was gonna... He had a gun to her head at one point. Right. So there's this kind of fake relationship going on. And meanwhile, you have Jem who's trying to... Well, he's trying to figure out what's going on. And also he's trying to find out what the next score is going to be. And then you have the feds. uh, But he's... He's also, he's been to prison a couple of times, so it, the next time is going to be strike three. He's going to be there for a long time. Yeah, so Jem can't go back to jail. That's why he's so panicky about this. But he, That's why he's the loose cannon. Yeah, because he doesn't want to lose his freedom. And as I was saying, the feds have are surveilling the group. They have an idea that it's them because of a stupid mistake that... Des made. It was so stupid it makes no sense. It was just he had to log in because of... Well, anyway, doesn't matter. I'm not going to spoil all of it. But so they end up getting into a 
a altercation at their second job. That was weird. They had an altercation in their second job, and it doesn't go well. It goes south, and they're essentially not caught because there is no physical evidence they were there. Because they, they did a good job. They did a good job, but they fucked up. So it's like, yeah, we know you did it. We can't prove you did it, but if. But they also know that it's this. It they're the most likely people in this town, who cranks out all of the bank robbers, that fit the profile. That fit the history. Like, they're not stupid. And so it becomes a one last job situation because Doug wants to get out. He wants to take his new girlfriend and they want to escape. They want to escape Boston and get a new life together. And you got Jem who's trying to keep him there because he, because there's a family, because he did a lot of stuff for him. He actually went to jail because he defended Doug at one point. It's a whole, whole thing. thing. And so the movie will end in one large, crazy scheme. And unfortunately, it, it does not pass the statute of limitations because, well, 10-year rule and it's only been nine years. So we're not going to spoil the ending to this film. But it's a very, well, let's, well, what's your initial thoughts of the film overall? What do you think? I liked it. It was like there were parts that were definitely bloodier and more violent than I was prepared for. I was ready for like a heist film like Ocean's Eleven or something like that. But there's definitely like a little good good old boy around the corner, let's go beat up some guys moments. Um, And I was kind of having a flashback. Like, you know, just to go sidetrack for a moment, Ocean's Eleven is a, a remake the original Oceans movie was from, you know, the Rat Pack, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, all those guys did it. And in the original, they, they didn't get away with the heist. And it used to be kind of kind of like censorship a little bit, where it couldn't be that the bad guys won. Yes, until the late 90s, that was the rule, is that the bad guys couldn't get away with it. That's why it never, it's, the bad guys get outsmarted or... This happens or that happens. Right. The police get them or it doesn't fall pan out or something like that. Or they're stuck on a mountain where if they get the money, they're going to die. And if they, they leave the money, they'll be fine. So if they don't get the money, but they got away, but they, they're they not going to get the money. Right. So, like, I kind of flash back to that where there are a lot of points in this movie where you do not know how it's going to end. It's suspenseful. It's exciting. Um You know, like, you, you really get caught up in it. And then there's those moments where you're like, well, maybe the... Like, this movie is about the bad guys. You want, you're rooting for the bank robbers. You want them to be successful. You want the FBI guys to fail. But at the same time, you're like, they can't get away with it. They're the bad guys. And it gets to a point where we're actually arguing because they portray the FBI agent, who's actually played by John Hamm, as a complete douchebag. Like, you want to not like him. But the thing is, in the grand scheme of things, he's the good guy. Yeah. And you're like, you shouldn't hate him, but he's... In real life, you want him to win. Yeah, so it's kind of a weird juxtaposition of you want him to lose or you want him to win. It's just kind of... It's it's a weird situation. Uh, The film is very diverse. It embraces the whole Boston element completely. A lot of landmarks are in there. The Southie accent is strong in this movie. 
I love it. Everybody is using their deep Southie accents. The characters are all, um, well, the characters, the main characters are very unique. I will say that uh, Ben Affleck playing the weary thief who wants to get out of the bit, the biz fits really well. Also, you give him a dynamic of a, of a past, which it's unresolved because he had potential and he pissed it away because he's an idiot. You have uh, Jerry Renner as the... He's an idiot, but he's also the product of his environment. Yeah. Like, Jerry Renner is the product of his environment, and he is a loose cannon, but he's also trying to hold on to his, essentially his family and his way of life, because he doesn't want to go to jail, and he doesn't want to lose his best friend, who's a brother to him. Right. And when things start falling apart, he can, he goes ballistic. Uh, we didn't bring up Blake Lively. Blake Lively plays uh, Jem's drug addict little sister who sells Oxycontin, who has a daughter that may or may not be... Could be... Most likely is not. They say is not, but they had a relationship. They're together, but it they're not. It could be Ben Affleck's child. But it's like there's a lot of people in the movie keeping track of who everybody is. Yeah. Like there's there there's room for a sequel. Well, everyone's. I don't think there is a sequel because it's a book, no. But. but but still, yeah. But they they leave room. Like all of the characters are really well developed. You can tell it came from a book because there's more characters than you can fit into a movie. I don't think that they. I don't agree that there was as many because we didn't even talk about um, their the big boss, which is uh, Fergie. He owns a flower shop. He's a criminal who. Is running the things, and you know a little bit about him. You know he screwed over uh, Doug's mother, like made her an but addict. But you learn about so, that late. Yeah, but he's an interesting character. But then you have Glanzi and Dez, who you just know one sentence about them. You know one works at this place, and that's how but they there's were enough. And Glanzi just steals cars, and he's just kind of the muscle. Yeah, that's... I disagree. I think that you know you learn enough about these people to know that there's more to them. That there's, there's, there's room for so much more development. Like you can't fit all of those personalities, all of those sub, sub characters into a movie. That's where books are better. I hate to say it, but Jeremy Renner has been in movies which has more characters, and every character got their moment. We talked about that movie. <laughs> what movie? Endgame, Infinity War. <laughs> Yeah, but there's also like 27 movies that lead up to that. True, but those movies... So everybody has their moment, but it's because each each person in that movie had their own previous movie to warm up for it. So that's... No. I will, I, I, I say that this... Film, everybody write in and tell Zan how I am right. If you believe I'm wrong, message me. That's a random question. Do you think Zan is wrong if the characters were... That all and the if characters you know Zan is wrong and Greta is right... Put it in the comments below. Yes. So... What else can we say? Now, there's some... Now, there's... Besides the acting, which we've talked about, I've got to say that Ben Affleck does a great job with this film. It looks great. There's some great choices. One of my favorite scenes is near the end of the film when you have um, Doug going to visit the flower shop for reasons. And it actually starts off where you're looking in the security camera. And it's black and white. It looks like an old black and white movie. And then it goes into a different shot. It's a fisheye lens of him entering the the flower shop and then it goes to another you could tell he really enjoyed directing it and he used like every 
every fun camera angle, every thought that he had about the movie. Like, he can tell that he put it all in there. It's a love piece. And apparently he wanted to direct this because it was something that he personally researched and understood. And he spent months researching Boston to get it to look good. And he interviewed a bunch of people in Charlestown. He also interviewed the FBI Violence Crime Task Force to learn as much as he could to make believable characters. And all the characters are believable, even though, like I said, not all characterized, but they're all believable characters. And they feel like you're watching a like a documentary almost. Yeah, about the like the underbelly that you don't really know about, but it's right there. Now, there is an extended cut of this where they focus more on the romance because the romance, it's there, but it's kind of in the back. Mm-hmm. So the director's cut has more emphasis on the romance and goes more into that. And I believe, I think they did have chemistry. Oh, totally. Especially when the turn happens when she realized that he's the guy that fucked her over. That is, it's believable, her reaction. And she doesn't immediately say, oh, I forgive you. It's no, get the fuck away from me. You tried to kill me. Yeah. Was any of this real? Were you going to kill me later? What's... What's going on? Is this what you do? You you fuck with their heads and you fuck their bodies? What? And it's it's a believable uh, relationship, but I think the director's cut is better with that. I don't know. We didn't watch director's cut or the extended cut. We watched the original edition because we wanted to go purist with this one. I don't know why, but we did want to go theatrical. Because uh, we wanted to like get the everyman's view. I will say this got nominated for a very large amount of awards. It won two of them. It won two at the National Board of Review, but it was nominated for an Academy Award, a Golden Globe. Well, actually, one actor was nominated for for all those. Now, Jeremy Renner was nominated for all of it. He's nominated for the Golden Globe, the Academy Award, the Screen Actors Guild, the National Society of Film Critics, uh, the San Diego Film Critics Society. All of them he got nominated for. And he is probably, I want to say he's the MVP for this movie, even though I really like Ben Affleck in this film. I think that he was the MVP for this movie, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. Because he's a believable character. Yes, he's a loose cannon, but you understand that he, there's more to him than that. Especially at the end when he's, he says, look, uh, I'm not going to let, if this goes south, I'm not going to take it. It's like he's willing to give it all because his life, his freedom is important. Also, you understand his relationship with Ben Affleck's character, and it's really well done. Jeremy Renner didn't want to do this, and it's probably one of his best performances. Now, the LVP... Because they're all some talented actors, but I'm going to have to say... Well... Oh, and... uh, No. I don't know. Like, who's your weakest link? It's hard. I mean, because we didn't even get into the the fact that you had uh, Chris Cooper as Stephen McRae's dad and that whole monologue he has. It's a great monologue where he talks about... They had that little moment where they... In prison where they're talking. Right, you have that moment where he... You can tell that he's... You know they're speaking a different language that's not going to be picked up by the cops or by the guards. But you can tell, you know he's telling his dad, hey, I'm going to go do another job. This is what's going to happen. Dad gives a little bit of advice. And then... But he says he's going to leave. He's like, I'm leaving for a bit because he's like, is it the heat? And it's like, no. And it's 
It's it's a concerning. Like, you dad. know that there's an interesting thing in that, and then he irritates his dad, gets him angry, and the dad's like, "Fine, I'll see this side or the other." Yeah, I yeah. So thinking about this, I don't think there was. This is the first one I'll say there wasn't a weakest link. I think the best we could say is probably uh, Blake Lively because she's a little too cranked out of her head. She's I mean, a little too. I mean, she acts like a drug addict. She acts like she's sloppy. super super codependent where she has to be there. She ends up giving up giving up a lot because she's pissed off and that causes problems later on. And she doesn't get resolution. She just kind of disappears. I would have liked a resolution with her. Just a, a, like even an image of just what happened to her, happened to the daughter. That would have made this film a little better. Uh, yeah. I think... That's, uh, yeah, I think that's... Would you recommend it? No. Uh, out of our five point... Uh, sorry, out of our five point... Out of our rating system, I'm going to have to give this a... You know what? I'm going to give it a really, really, really fucking cool. It's a really good film. It's a fun film. It's unique. It's dynamic. And it does hold well. I think that it's not a... It's a, a great film. I think it's a very good film. I think it's enjoyable. I do like that there's so many little nuances here and there that they add. The fact that they include the slang that's specific to Charlestown in there. The fact they have specific images, like they talk, they drop things like Star Market down, just little stuff like that. But then you have also all the characters are dynamic, and then each one has their... Well, the main four have their moments, which are really believable and great. It's... And... They all do interact with each other. And like any good heist film, the cop and the bad guy only interact once. Really. Yeah, they really don't. There's not too much. And it's well done, the scene. Even though there is there is kind of uh, interaction at the end of the movie, too. Some notes are left. Um, yeah, I'm going to get it really, really, really fucking cool. Uh, what would you give it? I really, really liked it. So you're going to give it the same rating? Yeah. So yeah, really, really, really uh, fucking cool for both of us. I think that's a... I say really, really, really f- no, you, cool. No, you said fucking cool for the other movie. You're like, For I, one. It's like, I love this movie. But yeah, so if you disagree with us, if you don't think this is a good movie, let us know. Um, uh, email us, sparkandgmail.com. Me personally, it's zansparkin.com. Oh, one thing we did forget, uh, action set pieces. We forgot to talk about that. I will say that the first set piece is really good. The third set piece is amazing. That second, third, the the one where everything goes to hell, it could have been done better. It really could have been done better. And that's the scene where they show in all the trailers. It's the nun scene. I think. It but could I done like that the scene that's in the trailer for everything is not the best scene in the movie. I like that they didn't give it all away in the preview. I don't know. I thought that it could have been. I mean, the cartridge. Well, like, how many times do you go to see a movie and you're like, oh, all the best scenes were in the preview? No, I agree, but I just feel like. And I also love that nun scene with the cop, mm. and they just everybody freezes. <laughs> that's a that's a subtle scene. Like that was like I enjoy. <laughs> I highly enjoyed that scene. I think that might be my personal favorite scene of the entire movie. That's kind of sad though, because this is a, that's a depressing scene in 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 retrospect. But uh, 
Yeah. So uh, I think my favorite scene is probably the uh, opening or the uh, Fenway Park scene. Yeah, that's a good one. Is that it? It's just that the Linda's scene. No, the 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 whole point of it's uh, the whole situation up till when everything goes to hell because that is a better version of this went to hell instead of just the oh it was just one it was a, it was a more it went to hell as opposed to the middle scene which is a it went it went to hell because of one small mistake. Mm. Even though that's more the the second one is more realistic than the third one. But again, we digress. Um, if you have any questions or comments, remember you can email us, sparkin.gmail.com. Me personally, it's zansparkin.com. You can check the show notes down below. And uh, more importantly than that, I think uh, we should get to the part we've all been waiting for. Because this is the theme month of Hold Up's Heist. And, no, it's Heist. Shoot. Shoot my monkey. Then edit it out. Start over. So yes, since it is the month of heists, hijacking, and high-octane car crashes, because we didn't talk about any car crashes or hijacking in this episode either. That's because the driver was so good. Yeah, There's a couple little minor crashes here and there. Fender benders, nothing crazy. Yeah. But we're going to see if we're going to get some, because it's that time for that one. That only, the dodecahedron of movies. Yes, friends, a dodecahedron. Now, what is a dodecahedron? It is a 12-sided object that has numbers on it. And what we're going to do is we're going to roll this 12-sided object, and whenever number it lands on, that's what we're going to... Each one has a movie associated to it, and that's what we're going to review the next episode. Unlike our other movie reviews, where 10, 11, and 12 represent Roll Again, uh, Gretchen's Choice, Greta's Choice, or my personal choice, this is... They're just 12 straight-up movies, and we've got some interesting ones on here. I mean... We've got some which are comedies, some which involve Elvises. We've got one which involves going into the mind and getting all really trippy and weird. We have a couple of comparisons, including one we talked about earlier. And then we got one film which I'm actually not a fan of, but people love it. I don't know why they love it. Hmm. I'm not a fan of it. Hmm. But anyway, so let's... so Let's see what we roll. You get to roll and see it, so roll it. bum 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 Number three. Oh. So, in episode 004, we're going to be reviewing a movie which is starring two members of the Monty Python group. It's also starring Kevin Klein and someone named Jamie Lee with a, with a boy's name as her last name. Hmm. Kurt? Yes. Jamie Lee <laughs> Curtis. And we're talking about a fish called... Wanda. Wanda. Yes. Uh, have you seen this movie? No. Uh, I've seen it. It's been a while. I've seen clips of it. I've ref- I've been referenced it a many a time. I think this would be a fun little movie. I, if I remember correctly, it might be terrible, though. But we will see. Uh, so with that in mind, I guess that's it for this episode. So This is Greta. My favorite line in the movie is... The eye. What? When the guy attacked David... I could see the, the back of his neck and he had a tattoo. What? It was one of those fighting Irish tattoos. I'm afraid if I report it, they'll make me testify. What do you think I should do? Tell the FBI. If the guy's got a record, 
And I'm sure he does. They'll have his tattoos on file. They'll ring him up the next day. Robbery, weapons, he'll get 30 years. Of course, they'll worry someone's gonna come looking for the witness. The FBI probably wanna put you in WITSEC, you know, witness security. You know, they'll probably put you somewhere like, you know, in uh, Cleveland or Arizona, you know, somewhere safe. nothing says you gotta play it right away. You're the one who's vulnerable in this situation right now. The FBI are just people like anyone else. They wanna find the bad guys so they can go home and nuke their supper. You have to look out for yourself, Claire. Quit next part. Not really. Just watch a lot of TV. <laughs> I watch a lot of CSI. <laughs> So I'm a really big expert on all this, <laughs> I know. And Miami CSI and New York CSI. <laughs> all the, all of them I watch. And we're so. well prepared. And Bones. That's because you're a fan of those shows. I know, that's why I like it. Do you know what show they should have referenced, though? Huh? And this is your host, Zan, for the Spark in Motion Picture Review. My favorite quote from 2010's The Town, starring Ben Affleck, is going to be... I need your help. I can't tell you what it is. You can never ask me about it later, and we're going to hurt some people. Whose car are we going to take? Catch you guys next time. Uh, we're Gonsville. Watch more movies. Bye! I would like to start with your abduction. 
poor man made me open the safe. They took me as a hostage. Were you able to see anything at all through the blindfold? No. When someone endures an experience like this, there are often residual effects. <laughs> okay. Just having a bad week. I like to have a good cry at the nail salon. <laughs> Why should we buy you a drink? There are over 300 bank robberies in Boston every year. Most of these professionals live in a one-square-mile neighborhood called Charlestown. So do your parents still live here? My mother moved away and my father... You don't get out much. I'm thinking about making a change. Making a change. Either you got here or you don't. to hang around with Doug McCray a little bit, huh? How do you know Dougie? I work for the FBI. I'm putting this whole town in my review. You grew up right here. Same rules that I did. I hear you got a sweet new girlfriend. Secret's this one. If I think anything might happen to her, I'm gonna kill both of you. Are you in love with me? Yes. something that looks like a print because it's not screwing around thing is about to go both ways i want to go with you i'm leaving with somebody else if we get jammed up we'll hold them caught on the street go, go. i just want you to know that you're going to die in federal prison i'll see you again this side or the other What are you doing down here? Slumming? I work for the FBI. Me too. You used to hang around with Doug McCray a little bit, huh? How do you know Dougie? We sort of work together. How big would you say that is? Six inches? Over or under? Under. Wrong. 6.14 inches exactly. I know everything there is to know about money. Thickness, 0.0043 inches. Weight, about one gram. Which is interesting, because that means that this $20 bill isn't even worth its own weight in oxy. <laughs> 